the impact that you see visually is very quick. I mean, if yeah. you're at five weeks out and you add in wind straw, you're going to notice that four weeks out, uh, that's a pretty dramatic change. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with coaches Skip Hill, Andrew Berry, and myself, Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by you, the awesome people at Patreon. Thank you guys very much for all your support. We've got a couple Patreon questions, and I've actually got a thread put up today uh, taking more questions. So any, anything you guys want from Patreon, ask me there in that thread. We are brought to you by truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. That's how they know that uh, you know, you, you've heard about them through us. You support us, and you can support us by supporting them. They're a company that I've shopped with forever. In fact, I brought this downstairs today. This is our uh, hydrolyzed beef collagen tub. This just sits literally next to the so coffee. Glad to be back. <laughs> <laughs> this just sits next to the coffee. I don't know why my eyes are watering. Sorry, go ahead. And that way we can just scoop this out and use this uh, every day when we are making our coffee, get our collagen in. And uh, we're also brought to you by uh, supplementsource.ca for Canadians. They have great deals that change week to week so definitely check them out and if you're from canada shop with them get some effort and a bunch of other cool stuff let's get this thing going guys it's good to be back this is finally the team is back together gentlemen <laughs> been a minute it has what four or five weeks anyway though yeah. we got a topic we've got a, a bunch of questions and for those of you in the live stream if you guys want to take part then feel free to comment if you're on youtube watching this we're going to need a bunch of questions for the next episode you guys are awesome with that plus your comments all that stuff it helps to boost us in the algorithm and let me tell you if you're new here let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell because we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week stuff just like this so for starters I'm going to take this question and I'm going to fashion it into a topic to start with. I'll read the question first. He says, uh, if you were to add anadrol to a test NPP cycle, um, how would you dose it? 50 milligrams pre-workout on training days only or 50 milligrams daily, whether you're lifting or not? Thanks in advance for all the help. So I thought we'd answer his question, but then further... I mean, just in a bigger picture, people talk about orals a lot. Where where, and when do we want to use them in the cycle? So for starters, let's talk about Anadrol, but then let's also talk about what are our purposes and reasons for them. I had a guy reach out to me the other day, and his cycle was like, well, I'm just running a test in Anavar for 16 weeks. I don't see that as being like my personal ideal cycle. I choose where I'm putting an oral usually, and it's for specific reasons. Other than that, I would much prefer to... Uh, you know, use use a combination of injectables. That's me personally. Maybe you guys have a different opinion, but I thought we could talk about that today. Tested Anivar is a chick cycle. Just saying. <laughs> Man, card revoked. I, I got ten bikini girls doing more than that, bro. No, but um, <laughs> I mean, orals in general. I'll start us off. I, for me, primarily, I tend to use orals in pre-contest phases more so than the off season. But when I do incorporate them in the off season, um, you know. I hate to say there's like one protocol because there isn't. It's right. I, I need to learn and and this comes through dialogue with your client. Hey, you know, how have you done with Anadrol in the past? Have you used it? How have you done with Superdrol? How have you done with whatever X compound? And you get their feedback. And if, you know, nine times out of 10 or a lot of times, 
let's say Anadrol in particular, someone will be like, oh, I love it, but it kills my appetite, which is a yeah. fairly common side effect in, in, for myself included. So what we might do is say, okay, let's kickstart this cycle off with like 10 to 14 days of Anadrol at 100 milligrams a day, and then we're going to pull it out. And then we might layer it back in maybe three, four weeks later and then pull it out. Okay. Uh, the other way I like to use it is let's say someone has a week back and they don't have a great connection to it. It's a body part we're trying to bring up. I'll probably dose it two hours before a workout at 100 milligrams, and I might add in a little bit of halo testing with it to really drive aggression, strength, um, density. That's what I think of when I think of anadrol, strength and density, strength and muscle density. And um, so we might layer it in there and just use it on back days, and we might use it on back days for 15 to 20 weeks, the whole cycle. You know, um, that's, that's my probably main, main, main focus with orals like Anadrol. We have parallels as far. And I think all three of us probably do with, uh, having a preference to use orals pre-contest over, uh, the off season. Um, and I've spoken about this before, but I still like orals in the off season, depending on the case, but it's taken me years to come to this, but it's more of a. I've settled into this four-week-on, four-week-off type of rotation. And and the reason that I have done that is because I've seen so much blood work, not only for myself but for clients over the years, that says that there is a very minimal negative impact on bloods when you in running orals four weeks on, four weeks off. Yet at the same time, the benefits that you get from the oral are still there. And I've played around with it, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously, you know, at the eight weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, eight weeks, all, you know, two weeks here, four weeks there, and just kind of settled on the four on, four off um, because it just showed, it was kind of the best balance between getting, kind of a cost to benefit, hmm. getting the results from the oral without slamming you know your blood markers and especially with something like anadrol that is uh, arguably more more harsh uh on the system and you touched on uh, an important variable with anadrol and that's the hunger too there comes a point and, and it's kind of funny because you can't eat as much or or it's hard to get the food down and sometimes you just can't get it in and yet you still grow. Yeah. It's just, you're like, you get to the point where you're like, yeah, I can't eat as much, but I'm growing. So I don't care. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing with Anadrol too, this is just my perspective. And I understand the logic behind what you're saying. So make no mistake, you know, Andrew um, or any of the listeners, this isn't right or wrong. We, too many people in this industry talk about right and wrong when really mm. all it is is a different approach or a different method or, or a different ideology. So true. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of running. Like I want to run an oral consistently every day, training or not training. I will bump up the dose if there may be a different, uh, like, like you're talking about with back. It's, I guess that would be the difference. Between, I would run it every day, but then mm. I would bump it up on those days. And then again, if you say, well, why, what's the difference? I don't know that I can give you, other than blood levels. I like that constant feed of the orals, but then it could be argued on the other side. Well, those half-lives aren't very long, but once you're taking a compound for more than a week, you still can maintain those blood levels longer than obviously the half-life because they start layering and, and overlapping. But I just, I don't know. I 
I don't like the up and down. You know, orals are so fast, and with something like Anadrol and the aggression, the aggression can work for you great in the gym, but then you go home and you want to beat up your wife or your kids, and I know I can't because my if anybody knows my wife, my wife would kick my ass. <laughs> so I can't read Scott's I, comment there. He says, why are you being such a blank today? And then he says, it's back day. Yeah, <laughs> I'm taking halitocin and anadrol. Right, that's uh, but yeah. that's just that's just an, uh, the the difference. That's the thing that popped into my head when I saw the, the question mm -hmm. before you said what the topic was going to be. The first person I saw who was really, uh, you know, speaking of Scott, uh, first person I saw who was really tapping into the like using things on specific days. Uh, was Jordan Peters back way mm -hmm. back when before anybody knew who Jordan was and he well, was it doing clearly hasn't worked for him. So yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> he was I mean, doing that like back in the days of muscle minds. And I remember him saying that he would, you know, build his strength up and, and for him, strength is like really just the it was the main focus, you know, mm -hmm. and when he felt like he was starting to really plateau, then it would be like two weeks of halo. And then from there, it might be like two weeks of methyltrin and mm -hmm. then, you know, something like that, two weeks of anadrol that he would throw pepper that in for a period of time. I've gone, I've done it, I've done it both ways because I think it was more common in the past to stay consistent. And I think mm -hmm. it, would you guys agree that it, it's, it's a newer idea to, to take them like more irregularly? I've liked it. I've liked it both ways, but I do feel like I've gotten less sides from say taking it just on back and leg day but have mm -hmm. i gotten the same actual growth from it i don't i don't think so because it's like not been in my system as long you know what i mean that yeah. you don't have that build up so i guess there's a pro and a con but you're also not getting the side effects then either i could i could see both of these ways being a really good approach and really it comes down to probably the compound the person and their experience with it what do you guys think about the other side of things when we're dieting uh, you know Let's say let's say that a client comes to you and they're like, hey, these are the things that I have. I've got some trend. I've got a little bit of master on and um, I've got some winstrel tabs. When when do we add the winstrel tabs into that? Like how many weeks out? Leg. Yeah. How many yeah. weeks out? We all agree it's the last leg, right? Yeah. yeah like what, are, what are we talking last last 10? Four to five weeks for me. I'll go longer. Just yeah. because, you know, I like to put my toe up to that that death line. Yeah. And look at it this way. You, you know, the listeners need to understand, too. We have technology these days that can grow liver cells in a Petri dish. So, <laughs> I, I mean, just you have to understand. You, right. You, there's now. so much there <laughs> if things go wrong. I don't even know what kind of mood I'm in today, but because I'm clearly kidding. But I do go a little bit longer. I'm more of a, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, it is always different depending on the, the tweaks and the individual and, you know, how you're going to, how you set up a, a cycle for someone. Um, I know Andrew, he, you tend to go through, and I think you probably change things a little bit more than I do. You're a little bit, um, you evaluate the compounds more every couple weeks than I do. I don't know that I'm rigid with it, but. I have the, I, I'll tell you how I compare it. I compare the gear cycle typically to protein intake. Mm -hmm. There are times where I will switch the protein intake, but by and large, it doesn't change a whole, a whole lot. 
Now, mm-hmm. it may change those last three or four weeks, depending on what I'm seeing prior to a show. But outside of that, hmm, I, I don't I don't usually touch it again. It, it comes back to to just a difference in, in not being right or wrong, but a difference in methodology. So I tend to go a little longer. I'd say six to eight weeks. There are times where I have run the orals 10 to 12 weeks for no other reason than I, I love them. And I think every, <laughs> most people do. The results that you get, not only are they great, but they're very quick too. So that would back up Andrew's approach of running them for a short amount of time because the impact that you see visually is very quick. I mean, yeah. if you're at five weeks out and you add in Winstraw, you're going to notice that four weeks out, uh, that's a pretty dramatic change. Let me also touch on for a minute, maybe like my, my mindset when it comes to PEDs, like say we'll call the, you know, the, the final lap stuff, you know, the trend, Winstraw, Halo, all that good stuff. I don't ever want to trick my, my eye with compounds in the sense, you know how like you can add trend to somebody, not change their diet at all. They start to look a little harder. They start to look a little leaner. I want to, I want to get them to a certain level of conditioning in the pictures that I'm seeing before we add that stuff in so that it's additive. So that's just kind of like my mindset. And I think I I really Mm -hmm. did pick that up from John because, you know, like, let's just say, you know, we would have conversations about, you know, different athletes and he'd be like, Oh, so-and-so wants to run trend at 10 weeks out. He keeps asking me about trend. We're still eight weeks out. You know, I'm not letting him run it yet. And and in my mind, what I could extrapolate from him was he was looking for a certain look before adding say trend in or say adding Winstrol or, or some other oral compound. And that's kind of where my mindset has come because it's, it does make sense to me. I just don't want to ever trick myself into thinking we're in better condition than we are. And I'm not saying anyone does that here. I'm just saying, and the athlete as well. I don't want the athlete to think that I want them to think that they're behind every step of the way until like two days out from the show. You know, I yeah. want to keep that mindset going. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, the second reason is quite often I will have people, I mean, it's very rare that I have someone do one show per season, right? So quite often it's okay. We're doing a qualifier and then we're going to do a national show or a, you know, a national a pro qualifier, you know, four to six weeks later or somewhere in that time frame. So in my mind, I'm kind of thinking, okay, four weeks for the qualifier, four or five weeks for the qualifier, we're taking a little bit of a break, maybe two to three weeks in between. And then we add it back in at three weeks out for that qualifier. So in my mind, it's like, okay, the total cycle, we are running eight, nine weeks of an oral, but it's just not bulked, uh, bunched into one stretch of time. If you get what I'm saying. Scott made an interesting point here. And now, so back in that, that period of time, I know that Scott was working with Jordan, so I wonder if he's giving us any insight um, into what they did running orals intermittently. He said a PED orals timing strategy would hypothetically also be best synchronized with nutrient timing and ensuring rest days slash recovery is perfect on those days to harness whatever anabolic advantage might come from the intermittent PED oral use. What do you guys get from that? Your mic's off. Yeah. I I think Scott's saying to time your orals to actually have the highest blood levels peak on your rest days to get the most out of recovery, uh, muscle proteins. Yeah. Muscle protein synthesis, glycogen synthesis, et cetera. um, Which does make sense to me too. Mm. Uh, The only thing I'm going to disagree with or not disagree. I'm just going to add another point is 
I just noticed like when you when, when you stack uh, say something like Anadrol and, and Halo especially together before that workout that you're just trying to beat guys will beat numbers that they haven't beaten before so I guess it's more of a performance enhancing yeah. um, uh, use in my mind that for, that propels that growth down the road I totally understand what he's saying though about timing for optimal growth though that does make sense I could see that yeah I could see that too and I hadn't I hadn't thought about that angle. For me, injectable D-ball was my jam. And and combine that with with Test No Ester, I really liked that combo a lot. I mean, it wasn't quite Halo, but it was its own thing. Great in the offseason, but a pain mm-hmm. in the butt, literally, you know, taking mm-hmm. an injectable or No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a- or, you know, just kind of piggybacking off what Scott said. Or, and this is going to sound dicky, but that's my... Just, yeah, you know where running, I'm going. Just run yeah. it every day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know. Yeah. It was like, it was like uh, I know what Skip's going to say. It. Mm-hmm. But again, that just... You know, there are things that are accepted as rule. Well, maybe not as much recently because, you know, people do challenge stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of like doing high-carb days on an off day what are you doing why wouldn't you do that why wouldn't you have a cheat meal right after training and take advantage there's arguments on both yeah. sides yeah because yeah. i have done i've done it a mi- we've all have done it a million yeah. different ways and and i've seen huge benefits from increasing like if i have four off training days a week as an example just arbitrary number and i increase three of those with high, i make three of those off training days high carb days not that the yeah. other day training days are low carb but high for just an added you know kind of slam with the system clean yeah. still dieting and then have a skip load day on that fourth day it, it the results have been so it just it's when you get those results that you just smile and you go I just went against everything that 98% of the industry takes as fact, like it's set in stone. It might as well be a commandment and it worked incredibly well. So there are those things. I mean, sometimes it's just not as cut and dried as, you know, we think there again, methodology, Mm -hmm. ideology there. There's just, different ways to get to the end result and it just depends a lot on how that specific individual responds and listeners of it's just bodybuilding may have heard ron partlow talk about the year he worked with chad nichols he was his heaviest ever and chad had him eating his highest calorie days on his non-training days and the reason oh. they did that was because he was eating so much food that his stomach would be uncomfortable, to, you know, because he could handle, you know, you think about it, the guy could handle so much food that his stomach would be too uncomfortable to train on those mm-hmm. days anyway. So that's why they did it, you know, but I, I could see that, man. I could see that, dude. If I eat a lot of food and then I wake up the next day to train, I feel like a million bucks that next day, you know. I had a kid like that who just, he just did North Americans. Um, but his off season, you know, at his peak, he was 220 pounds. He's a classic physique guy, really great shape. He was having 1200 grams of carbs on his off days, you know, I mean, and, and 400 grams of protein and 120 or 130 grams of fat. And his training days were actually a little on the lower side comparatively, not low, but comparatively a little lower. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, there's no wrong way because if you can justify and and really think about what you're doing and how it's going to serve the athlete the best, in this case with Chris and, and Ron, having a bloated stomach during training is not going to yield productive training sessions and thus is going to reduce his gains. Like, yeah. 
there's a clear cut mindset there, you know. So there's no reason why we have to stick to norm. Now, obviously, if you have say you know a bikini athlete or a, a smaller competitor, and you know their high days is 150 to 200 grams of carbs, and their low days are 100, yeah, it probably does make more sense to feed them a little harder on their training days versus their non-training days. But when you get guys that are have those crazy metabolisms and they're super big, super muscular, yeah, you you fit the food in where you can absolutely. Yeah, and I think it should be noted too that there is an added potential for uh, lower back vulnerability if you're mm. going into the gym with a ton of food in your stomach. Make mm. no mistake. There's there even if you don't have lower back issues, you're going to find there's just a higher risk there. Well, you're you're just moving differently. You're moving yeah. differently. You know, like you're just supporting yourself differently. Getting in and out of benches is a little different. Like. You won't you get people listening probably won't understand this unless you've been to that deep off season state where you're literally the, the the meal that you have the longest gap in is your pre workout meal to your training because you're literally just trying to make sure your stomach is as empty as possible right. it's as least bloated as possible so you can get through and put your weight belt on and have a decent training session you know yep. um, yeah being uncomfortable and trying to do squats and being uncomfortable and trying to do I mean anything really abs too much. Yeah. Train abs when you're when you're distended. I mean, it's like I do not train abs for the first couple of days after skip load day. It it's it's just not a good idea. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on. We got a bunch of stuff, and uh, I'm going to start with this one from Gamboni Law, and this is uh, from the live stream. He says, "Great show, gentlemen. As always, thoughts on whether a person can really overtrain if macros are sufficient to maintain weight, and I'm 200 milligrams of TRT." weekly and you've heard the term or you've heard you know the saying there's no overtraining there's only under eating barbarian brothers mm. is that who said that initially i, I say it i could see that because it was back in the 80s and i i read that in the flex magazine and i could i could almost verbatim tell you the the articles back in the 80s when i was in high school and that's where i first heard it it's been said numerous times since then but i think it's the barbarian brothers I can see that. I bet it was a ghost comment and some skinny little guy who was actually yeah. writing the articles <laughs> oh, came no up question. with that. Like you Steve know Blackman I mean? wrote that. <laughs> yeah. yeah like Schmitt, like Ron, the Ron Harris, Ronnie Coleman workouts. Yeah. And the, you yeah. Know, yeah. Um, you guys remember stuff. Julian Schmidt or no? He would have five adjectives for every. In fact, it's funny because from a writing standpoint, I – I remember thinking, there's no way that these bodybuilders have a vocabulary <laughs> of this. Like, there's no way. He was ghostwriting and writing back then. He was probably trying to look for his next job at his current one. Like, oh, hopefully some very literate and someone who appreciates good literature is reading this by chance. And they're going to hire me to help write their book or hire me to work on their newspaper or whatever it is, what type of journalism he's into. Yeah. That's uh, funny. Victoria used to write for, I think it was muscle. I can't remember what it was. It was the Canadian muscle magazine. And, um, Iron Man uh, or Iron Mag, whatever, Iron Man. I can't Iron remember. I can't remember what it was, but it was, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Romano was the editor at the time. Okay. And she, he had told her, he was like, you need to write. Cause she's, you know, she's even back then, this is a decade ago. He was like, you need to write like you're speaking to a room of fourth graders. <laughs> Which is it's funny the only magazine I've... I didn't write for. She wrote for. Did she write remember. for any of the other ones? No, oh, okay. it was just that one. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
anyway, so, don't like me. Anyway, well, yeah. So so yeah. The the I think our consensus is yes, you can overtrain regardless of how much food you're eating. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've all probably done it. I mean, we've all yeah. eaten five, six thousand calories a day and trained balls to the wall for six, eight, twelve weeks and come out of it a wreck. So, yeah, with I mean, a lot more than two hundred tests. But I think, <laughs> it's, a, I think it's a fair tests. misconception, though, just in the sense that I know if we go back 10, 12 years, I remember explaining over and over to people on the boards just because you're on cycle, what would make you think that you? can't overtrain or you're not going to overtrain i mean it was almost said that it was impossible to overtrain and i i just remember thinking wow it's so bizarre that so many people have this same misconception i i think okay so i think it also goes back to the lore of using peds aas right like oh yeah i remember my football coach used to be like don't you guys ever take those steroids you know they're they're going to make your balls completely disappear or just like these these sayings you know like yeah you might look like he-man but you're going to die what a dumbass he just told you you were going to look huge and expect that you're not going to do it yeah but but, 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 but you miss the second part he goes but but you'll die by the time you're 40. you know like just these yeah, who wants to live after 40 you're a teenager anyway, when you're a kid you, you know yeah. Well be 80. Yeah, yeah yeah right it, 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 yeah it, it didn't do anything to uh dissuade me i'll tell you that but um <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you can absolutely overtrain. We've all done it. We've all done it with much heavier cycles than 200 megs of tests. We've all, and we are people that are very focused on our nutrition and probably have been since we were 14, 15 years old. So yeah, absolutely. I intentionally uh, basically said like, screw it. I don't care. I'm going to overtrain and that's what I'm going to do now. And it was after I had gone through a breakup and I just wanted to go to the gym every day. So I went mm -hmm. to the gym, literally I trained every day for about it had to be three or four months like i was there every day what i did notice though looking like like in hindsight after that at the end of that phase i mean i was getting beat up too it was like a lot of volume not like the intensity that i i like to consider to be an actual good workout but it was mm -hmm. almost like punching a clock after a while you know yeah. you're just like yep i'm in the gym yep now i'm doing curls yep now i'm doing this and it's yeah. like you know you're, the, what you're getting out of that is not the same uh, yeah, yeah. Got something for you guys. What about this one? Um, kind of a, a more of a basic question. Trying to understand AIs and what they do. Question for the next show: Will using an AI during a cycle mean that more of my testosterone is available? Meaning my blood levels of testosterone would be higher than if I didn't use one. How exactly does this work? Not like that. <laughs> did he say the opposite of how it really works <laughs> uh, estrogen has anabolic properties too so you know one of the takeaways that i had from swiss and there were more than a handful uh, a few things dr serrano said stan efforting said a couple things that i was like "Ooh, i made no you know i was taking screenshots yeah. right dude i can't wait for the next one by the way i'm I excited know. for this I'm looking forward to it as well. And there's going to be a lot I might more people be going. there and more people You're kidding excited me. about it. You're so, going? So Dave and Mary from, from Mountain Dog, they're, Dave's offered us all free passes. Oh, dude. Um, oh, but here's, here's the problem. Awesome. Here's the problem. There's I have no problem. three pros. Oh. I have a three pros in a show down the road that same day. Oh. Oh, so we're not going to be able to get shit-faced at the strip club. <laughs> we'll take <laughs> what's, what's, fun out of everything. Yeah. God, but know. but one of them is and then another one is a training partner 
down here. So it's like yeah. we've been yeah. we've been gearing for this show for two years now. Just, just another show. So, just tell them to do a diff- different show. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's fine. so I got I got some hard decisions to make here. Yeah, man. It sounds like that would be not the because yeah. hey, you yeah. can't have I can tell you this right now. Like I had a friend come in town, shout out to Andrea. She came into town and I had a client competing like the day we were going to do something fun. And it's Mm -hmm. like, even, even then it's like, we went to do the fun thing and I can still check in with the guy like every hour I'm having him send me pictures, but like we're walking around Greenfield village which which is like this old historical town that Henry Ford put together. And like the Wright brothers bike shop is there and stuff, just stuff like that. You know, so it was, it was really fun, but then, you know, Oh yeah, I got to check my phone. You know what I mean? Excuse me guys. I'll be back in a couple minutes, you know, and we figured out what we're going to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You like to be able to be present for that stuff. So we understand if you can't make it, but AIs, so AIs, um, what do we, what do we want to tell him? The aromatase inhibitors, that's what they do. They attach to the aromatase enzyme so that testo- it doesn't attach to testosterone. So can you put a thing up again? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I yeah, think yeah. he, but I think, was he saying that by not using it, your testosterone would yeah, stay Yeah, would your testosterone higher? be higher than, you know, he's kind of missing the big picture because I think there's that yeah. thought of like, hey, we want high test, right? Because high test is what's going to grow muscle. So should I take an AI so that my test stays higher? Well, no, I think he's saying not take it. Yeah, so I think he's it, saying, would it be better if I didn't use an AI to keep my right. test higher? And, and the answer is no. Right. Will it's, using an AI mean that my... He says, well, using an AI... I'll put it back up so you guys can read it too. Um, during cycle mean that more of my testosterone is available. Yes. Meaning my blood levels of testosterone would be higher than if I don't use one. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. So here would be my thought. Like you said, you kind of said it quickly, Skip, but estrogen, we, we want estrogen in our bodies, right? Like you, you I, I think one of the early mistakes I made was I ran D-ball on its own, blew up, and then I ran testosterone and I used Novadex if I had an issue and I blew up and then I ran testosterone and an AI and I overdid the AI and I didn't really make the same level of progress that I had mm-hmm. before, you know? I think I was mm-hmm. crushing my estrogen. I, God knows I didn't do blood work back then. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think we want to let the estrogen ride. Is you know, I, well, I want to keep it in that normal range. So I, I, mean, I like high normal. Yeah, I'll just go on record. I like high normal. You know, especially when test- when testosterone levels are twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, or even right. higher. You know, I, I do think uh, because, and I've been doing a little bit of reading and a lot more research into like the test estrogen ratio. And obviously, when we're using exogenous testosterone, we're definitely throwing that off, and we don't necessarily want your the TE ratio to stay the same as it would in a natural person. But yeah. we TRT. also. Or, or on TRT, correct? Yeah, um, but but I do. I think you see the best gains and the best fat loss at yeah. slightly higher levels of estrogen. The only time you want to tank your estrogen, if at all, is is um, in those last couple of days, you know, before a show. And honestly, if you're peeled, you don't need to tank the estrogen. You, yeah, you don't. You don't need to manipulate that's, it. It's yeah, that's, that's not. And the there's issue. argument that the estrogen isn't going to have and doesn't have the impact on water retention, sub-Q water retention, like we have always kind of yeah. connected as far as an industry. Uh, when I was talking about Swiss, I did come across, and this was one of the things that sticks out in my mind that I'm going to remember for a while. And the problem is, I don't remember who said it, if it was Serrano. I want to say it was, or it was Stan Efforting, but I'm pretty sure it was Serrano because Stan was talking more about 
health benefits and, and cholesterol and things like that. So he threw out the 20 to one ratio. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I've done the math a few times on that. And I really like that. And that falls back on what Andrew is saying. Your estrogen can run higher. Obviously there are factors, whether you're more sensitive to estrogen and how your body, you know, processes estrogen, no question. But a 20 to one ratio is pretty good because if you're running at a thousand on TRT, and and again, this is, a, a, you know, kind of a total. Obviously, it's total testosterone, and you're running at fifty. You know, if I have a client who's running a thousand test level, and they're at a fifty estrogen, unless they're having some type of gynecological, I'm good with that ratio. And people, they they inherently or innately have this, uh, intrinsically have this. This negative, like, oh my God, my my estrogen, like, if it starts to get up into the fifties, and and they might be on cycle or sixties, they're, oh my God, it's too high because they see that it's out of range on the blood ranges that are for normal people who aren't right. cycling. Yeah, and, the test is out of range too, believe it or not. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> you've got over three thousand or four thousand on your test levels, but you want your estrogen to be you know 70 or 80 i mean come on now so i think this is a good point that i think a lot of the listeners need to rethink or at least process and give some more thought to is though that ratio needs to be higher than what our industry or what most people have accepted for a long time i will Mm -hmm. say skip there i think there is that that has been the thing for a long time i but there is also the other side of it now where there's the TRT people that are saying like the AIs are the worst thing in the world. You should never use one whatsoever. I never take one and I'm completely fine. Now that's TRT, but then that translates into newer guys that are getting on cycle. And I've had newer guys that have said, hey, I wanna run a cycle. And as we're putting this together, they say, oh, I don't wanna use an AI. Uh, but their test would be, you know, way out of range. So that's, I think, a big part of where like using Masteron has come in because people are trying to then reduce it in other ways, you know, not understanding that having running really low estrogen in itself is a big part of the issue of AIs. They're just crushing it another way now. But but I think, though, there is just to just to point that out in case there's anybody out there on that side of the boat that letting your estrogen run wild also isn't the answer, you know, middle ground, believe it or not. And I completely agree with you, but let me ask you guys this question. If you, because, and I'm setting up the question, you're probably going to know why, and it'll give away my approach. But, well, I'll just say it. I don't like to go proactively with higher dose AI out of the gate with the cycle, especially if it's a new client. I want it low. Or if the, the aromatizing compounds oh, yeah. aren't very high, I will keep it out. And then I want to see the blood work and I want to get the feedback from the client because if you run high estrogen for a little while until you can get blood work done, once you get more stable testosterone levels, then we're going to have a better idea of how to dose and how to combat that versus looking at, oh, okay, we have, you know, aromacin in at this dose. And this then trying the compound to compound doses that yeah. aromatize. Yeah. Or is EQ in there? Is Primo in there? Is, you know, all these added yeah. variables. And then you have to, take, I think, more of a blind guess, and it's mm-hmm. a yeah. hypothesis in our case, because we obviously have a lot of experience, and we're going to get, we're going to probably get pretty close, but I think it's just easier leaving it out to see how they respond, and what I have come across is this, sometimes guys don't need it at all, so then it would have been wasted, and you get that with TRT, 
I yeah. mean, how many times have you told asked the client, see if you can get a Romacin instead of a Remedex? Because if you're <laughs> on a TRT dose and they're giving you a Remedex twice a week, I just I don't know. The vast majority of people are going to have estrogen that is just tank. So then you get someone who's on TRT and they kind of like what's going on in the gym, but their sex drive is in the toilet. And they're like, wait a minute. I was told that I'd be wanting to bang fat chicks at the bus stop. Like, what's going on? <laughs> there's there's your uh, your uh, teaser. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that conversation, by the way, is when you let them know what they should have on hand. Like, let's get yeah. some test on yeah. hand. Let's get some Arimidex on hand. And it's, then there's like, well, I don't want to use that. You know, it's like twenty three dollars to get your estradiol checked through Merrick Health. If you add yeah. in just the estradiol and the five dollar lab draw fee, who doesn't have twenty three dollars when you're spending right. three dollars a day on your PEDs and twelve dollars a day on your growth and all that you know what i mean like it's like about the same through private md labs too so like you can it can make or break your cycle though you know it can literally if you're crushing your estrogen it can make or break your gains but i want to add a couple points first um i think that the medical industry does a horrible disservice in terms of dosing uh, Rimidex at one milligram. Why don't we have a hundred mm. micrograms or 200 yeah. microgram doses? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, yeah. because how, how much more efficient would it be if we could tell someone, okay, take a 200 microgram dose of a Rimidex every other day versus having to try to figure out a way to split a pill up into right. four or five little pieces, you know, but you know or, why? Why? Because, because Remedex wasn't developed. Oh, for us. It was developed for yeah. women with breast cancer. <laughs> no, no. Well, that, that's where I was going with that. That's where yeah. I was going. But but but, the, but now it's 2023. Everyone and their brother is on TRT now. You know, you got 14 or 15 year old kids. They're putting on TRT now. You know, every kid I know in the gym, they're on TRT. They're 23, it's 24, crazy, 26, man. whatever. It, it, it's wild, right? So you would think that this would open up exploration or you know, at least warrant some doctors finding some compounding clinics that in their local areas that are willing to dose these products at a 10th or a fifth of what they're normally dosed at. The second point I want to make was, and this is why I think a lot of people fail with their peaks is when they do crash their estrogen too low, people don't understand estrogen is a very necessary component that influences glycogen synthase, synthetase activity and glycogen synthesis. So when people, you know, maybe they did a trial run at two weeks out and everything went perfect, but then their coach adds in, uh, you know, a whopping dose of an AI every day of the week over that final stretch and their body's not responding the same way. They look, the glycogen's not being made, but they're still trying to feed them the same amount of food. Right. So where's that gl- uh, sugar going? Sitting in the bloodstream. It's uh, it, it's giving that bloated kind of wet look that we obviously try to avoid on stage. Um, so that's just another point I wanted to make that when people crash their estrogen too, too low, it can definitely impact their peak in that sense. Uh, that's all the stuff I had. It's good. It's good. It's important information. I think I had some other stuff, but we said a lot. I can't remember what it was now. Um, <laughs> Let's see here. I've got a bunch of other stuff, so I'm just going to grab something randomly. Got another another drug question here. Uh, what are your Gross. opinions on MK677 instead of growth? No. Next question. No. Nope. Can I give Next it one? Of, can I give it one of these? <laughs> you have to be old to appreciate that. <laughs> uh, not even close. I mean, that's I, yeah. Do you guys have anything else? You're, I mean, you're talking about Pee Wee baseball versus the major leagues. It's not in the same ballpark. It's and I know everyone has this one friend that all they take is MK six seven seven and they get great huge. results. 
that person has genetics on their side and they just happen to be poor and they're just using MK677. Okay. Right. Let me just get that out of the way. Yeah. I was turned off from it when uh, Scott Stevenson, sometime back, these are, I couldn't even dig back in the archives to find this now in, in our shows, but there was a study and I think it was just for one week and they tested people after one day of use and they tested people after one week of use. I can't remember the dose, but it was like a decent dose. Uh, like 25 mix. Yeah. Either. I can't remember what it was, but it was something, something out there, maybe 20, something like that. Anyway, I made that number up, but I think it was um, after day one, they saw, elevation and in some people after day seven they saw back to normal levels so mm -hmm. there is some point that it is going to stop working where is it for you and how long are you taking it when it's not working anymore how you know what are you investing into this and i will tell you this too it, it is uh hepatoxic because i've seen it on my own labs i've seen it on other people's labs your liver enzymes are going to raise so it's not like you know a, a completely benign kind of compound mm -hmm. to take it's it, you know it's a drug that we don't know a ton about first of all so I, growth hormone we know a lot more about it we know what the side effects are yeah. is it more expensive i don't know is it more expensive if you were to use it long term probably i don't know growth hormone yeah yeah it's a lot yeah. more expensive well i'm like, thinking of a good well like I'm, I'm not thinking of, i'm not thinking expensive. of you guys seristim <laughs> the, the Sar you're right. on your seristim throne over there yeah. i'm thinking of the guys that are using a high quality you know blue top or whatever yeah it's still like probably three to four times as expensive right is it can't you get a bottle of mk for that'll last you for two months for like 30 40 bucks I don't know. I, I don't even know. So, man. so this is how long it's been since yeah. I've even looked because yeah, right, I used right. it like 10 years ago for a month and I blew up. I looked like a, like people use the term water buffalo. Yeah. I felt like I literally, like water was in mm -hmm. every crevice of my body that you couldn't see a separation or a cut. So yeah, no. And I wasn't abused. I wasn't abusing a dose. I was using probably 20 to 25 milligrams tops. Yeah. You know, I think it's an um, easy sell too, because of what it does to your dreams. I mean, I don't know how many times I'd wake up 15 minutes after falling asleep, and I thought I was in like a horror movie. <laughs> like I, really? someone was standing next to my bed. I mean, I would just want to shoot out of bed. Yeah, it was, and it would happen routinely within huh. that first 30 minutes of going to bed. Yeah, and I don't know about you guys, but I can't just then go, oh, okay, it's legit, and lie down because I'll go right back into the same damn dream. <laughs> so I have to get up. I roll over. I give my wife a kiss or something, you know, and I I might even get up, go to the bathroom, and then try to come back to bed and think about something. It's like when you're lying down there, you're like, um, Mickey Mouse, you know, Calvin and Hobbes. You're trying to think of something different, yeah. <laughs> and your mind keeps coming back to, I think there's somebody standing over there. <laughs> that's at 53 I, years old. I got great Growth sleep doesn't off do of that it. to me. I oh, got yes, great, yeah, I got great sleep off it. I never got any of the bad dreams. It was when I used it, I remember feeling like a million bucks when I woke up the next day. No, no. And dreams. in that case, it probably did have a. I mean, it's not. I mean, you guys really shoot this down if you want, but I I know it's an oversimplification. But if it's going to impact your sleep that much, yeah, then it has. There has to be some positive benefit from a from a REM you know, standpoint, mm -hmm. which means recovery standpoint. The question I think is cost and benefit. And I'll be transparent. I'll be real quick about this. I helped to feed this eight, 10 years ago because I unfortunately made the, the poor connection between MK working as good as a, an IU or two of growth hormone. Mm 
Mm. And that was not good. And I think, I don't think I was the only one saying it. No, probably But not. I think if I had to take that back or get a do-over, I would have not yeah. made, I meant it at the time. Yeah. But it, I don't think that's a very uh, fair comparison. Um, and, and I probably based that more on the sleep quality, that sort of thing. And I mean, let's be fair. One to two IUs of growth isn't a whole lot. I wasn't using farm grade growth at that time anyway. So it's one to two of, you know, generics, but nonetheless, I still think that's not a fair comparison. So I don't know that this person didn't hear me years ago say this or someone else say the same thing. So it makes the question fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. We got a bunch of other stuff here still. Um, like I said, a lot of gear stuff. So we'll go to this one. On this podcast? Yeah, I know, right? But we usually have a we usually have a blend. So uh, question for the next show. No for- questions for uh, for blood. No no questions for sweat. Just the gear. Well, we a lot of Critique gear. my cycle. Test sip at three fifty a week. He's doing fifty every day. Uh, trust alone acetate one seventy five milligrams a week. Twenty five every day. GW501516, 175 milligrams per week, 25 milligrams every day. S23, 175 milligrams a week, 25 milligrams every day pre-workout. YK11, 70 milligrams a week, 10 milligrams every day pre-workout. CJC and IPAM, plus some IGF at 150 bilaterally pre-workout. HCG at a milligram per week um, and multiple bottles of ADEX on hand. This is that one cycle where I just say, why don't you just do a thousand tests and a thousand trend and, and skip all the, I skip all the exotic stuff. There's X, Y, Z, the CMG or CJC. Uh, I'd like, I'd I, like five minutes with the guy like on the podcast, not to slam it, but to ask him <laughs> what, why each of those compounds is there? Because, I mean, in fairness, you guys probably, I, I would think, agree. You're, each compound and everything you do, whether it's dieting or training, everything should have a reason as to why it's there. And, I, and I'm not saying that he doesn't have a reason, but I wonder what those reasons are. And I'll go on record and say this. There's probably three compounds there that I can't tell you what the hell they are. Because I don't care. They don't. Well, they're not that good. And I don't you know heard about of, you, them. It's not that you don't care. It's that you heard about them eight years ago, 12 years ago, researched right. them and said, okay, there's really nothing there. It's a, it's right. a big nothing. Burger. I no longer care. It, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it was, it was a hype thing when it came out and yeah. obviously all the online companies really pushed this stuff really hard. But as we know now from independent experimentation, some trial and ath- uh, error with athletes, it just doesn't produce the results. Like, and I'm talking specifically about like the S 23, the YK 11, um, even the, the CJC and IPAM, yeah, I, I can I can say there's a little bit to to the to the combination of the one two nine five and ipamorlin. Um, but a li- would it be worth that? Or in that case, it, would you prefer to take that? Or if you could get your hands on a high quality generic growth hormone at say three generics. units a day for the same cost? Generics, generics, yeah. yeah. I'd go Absolutely. with a mediocre, middle of the road quality. Yeah. G8. And again, I'm not slamming the guy. I just, I'll tell you what I see when I see this type of cycle. And I understand that this might not be a fair statement and it might sound like a blanket statement. There is way too much of reading and looking in bo- than just putting together a cycle and spending more time in the gym, banging more, ch- more time. So 
repeating and just growing. There's just there's a lot there's a lot there. It's chaotic to me. Yeah, I, I wish I would have followed that advice sooner, Skip. I really do, man, because I spent a good chunk of time like researching and researching and learning. And that's not and, bad. And, but but it was stuff that was related to things that didn't end up being the most important thing. Exactly. Yeah, but I feel like we did that groundwork. Like people in our generation did that yeah. groundwork. And now we can save a lot of people in this next generation mm. a lot of time. Exactly. I mean, if they want to read it for themselves, that's awesome. But I, I think we did all that groundwork because I remember in my 20s to 30s, literally PubMed, looking up all these individual SARMs, all these individual peptides, looking for anything that showed that it had a that guy um remember that be true of course his form yeah. i mean everyone knows like his form was loaded with research and information <gasps> that just didn't pan out in human subjects under yeah. real conditions if you get what i'm saying but so, it was very convincing oh very dude, so convincing, convincing. Uh, and i'm but, sure that he's in that same situation he's taking yeah. s23 he's probably watched every youtube video there is about how it's mm -hmm. gonna do this for you yk11 it's gonna do that for you i think that out of everything he was doing there if he were to just strip that back to even just the test sip and like trust alone in itself that's a really odd advanced compound yeah. I, I don't even think that it needs to be in there but just the trust alone and the, the 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 test that alone in itself is probably going to do the majority of the heavy lifting in this cycle the rest of it's going to add a lot of complication yeah. potentially like more more issues with your blood work too and mm -hmm. a lot a lot more expense I think a lot of it also comes down because I remember being a 14 year old kid and getting the supplement you know uh, I can't remember who put it out, but the supplement book and reading through all the different sub HMB and this and that. And mm -hmm. you know, oh, I can't wait to try that because it's going to yield five pounds of gains. And this yeah. one's going to yield two pounds of gains. And I'm going to try this one, three, four norandro test, whatever converter, you know what I mean? Like, so, and I think the same thing is being applied to the PED side of things on these, on these SARMs and on these research chemicals that, you know, and I don't want to throw research chemicals under the bus because they do do a good service with a lot of the products they sell, but I do think they sell some snake oil too. Yeah. Yeah. They, and, and yeah, overall, I think it's just a matter of, of reel it, reel it back here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let me see what else we have here. Um, we need a good finisher for the show. You know what? I'll just pull this one up because uh, it was on. Uh, the live stream. Uh, he was asking about uh, exogenous melatonin. Uh, does it shut down um, one's uh, natural production, or does it work like T4 downregulate downregulating end production based on amount, or even does it simply stack to um, endogenous production? Thanks, guys. It's a tricky question. Excuse me, and I've heard many different views. I should know this because I looked it up like a month ago <laughs> because it made me stop ultimately taking melatonin um, as a regular supplement. That was the, to the last question Nate's with us. He said, that guy's got the whole alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and there's a truth to it. Like we could ask Nate yeah. Spear, how many of these things do you use? How many did you use to turn pro? You yeah. know, yeah. The, I saw the testosterone cypionate in there. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what on the melatonin. So um, I started experimenting with high dose melatonin. It was one of the five 
uh, supplements that they suggested, is supplements and vitamins that they suggested for the, the long bug that I've dealt with. And I've, I've gone as high as 25 milligrams per day. And the one side effect I have noticed from it is that if I don't take it, I can't fall asleep. I know that when I'm going to come down, like I'm going to need to taper it for a while. So right now, mm. I don't think that my natural production is the same way that it used to be. I can tell you flat out, like it's 10, 9, 30, 10 at night when I'm going to bed and I'm like still not ready to sleep until I take that melatonin. So there's that. I think the more important thing is to get a certain amount of sunlight through your eyes during the day mm. and then and then also have a shutoff time to where you're just in dim light in the evening. Right. Yeah. To really, if, if the goal is better sleep here, not just to manipulate melatonin. Cause I've done, I remember Dante put some stuff out a couple of years ago and I was going as high as 80 milligrams a day. Did you go as high as 80? I, for, I think I lasted for three weeks and then I'm just like, I don't feel like taking five pills before I go to bed or what, you know yeah. what I mean? It, was, it just, and I didn't see any difference in anything recovery yeah. wise or, or other, you know, otherwise. Um, but, um, but there's something I read recently that made me stop taking it. And it was off of our discussion, I think the last podcast we did, so four or five weeks ago, when you were talking about Dr. Dean Smart, I believe, is that his name? Uh, Dean St. Mart. Dean St. St. Mart? Yeah. But Dean Smart sounds really- Dean Smart sounds better. better. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know? <laughs> and so I, I dove into some, I went onto his website and looked at his products. And, okay. And then I think he has something up there on why he doesn't have melatonin in yeah. his- so yeah, I use the supplements it, that will encourage your own production, like that's versus the band aid of just taking it. You know, that's where I was going with that is that to yeah. look into substances that will increase your own production versus just throwing it to the source. Because I think it's like, 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 um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of another example, but I think your body needs to have that natural conversion that to, to properly be able to utilize the melatonin you make or that you have in your system. I think that's probably the number one for like insomnia, if that's a situation. I think that you're right. You know, mm -hmm. that's the number one yeah. way to go. The whole um, uh, near IR and IR light that I'm doing that I was telling you about earlier before the show, that that has a really profound effect, I guess, to uh, the light going in your eyes from that mm -hmm. to help with sleep. So I shall keep you posted. But, yeah, I can tell you that I feel like my melatonin production has been altered. I still will get tired, but my ability to get into a deep sleep now that I've been using 25 for an extended period is a lot harder if I don't take it. Uh, on that note, have you ever heard of that? Uh, what do they call it? Like uh, this, like hippie chick was talking about going outside every morning and like bending over naked and like getting that sunlight oh, like in her Sunning, act. yeah, yeah, I've yeah. heard that. <laughs> 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 and that like ten minutes a day will change your life and you'll live. It'll change your life. Years you burn your brown. Your starfish. <laughs> it'll change your day for a couple, or it'll change your life for a couple days. Uh, notice I didn't say too much about sleep because. I'm that guy that everybody hates if they have bad sleep. I sleep like a rock. My wife hates it because she's jealous and because I can, I'll be out in three to five minutes. You talked I about that no matter, on the last episode. The somebody, did you see the comments? Cause somebody who's known you forever. He was like, I've known in skip since I was a kid. He was like, and he's right. He would fall asleep in his brother and I couldn't wake him up. Really? Yeah. You know who else? You know, uh, oh, Nate Spear falls asleep true. really easily too. Like in the car and stuff when we're driving. Like you look over and he's like, "Who's that?" I'm jealous. <laughs> uh, Nate. I Nate fall asleep every night watching. I'm TV jealous to be able 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, to be able to just to zonk off and, and recover yeah. a little bit for that 10, 15, 20 minutes, like, that's an yeah. amazing trait, you know? And I rarely go to bed before the sun comes up. When the sun comes up, I'm usually within about 30 minutes of going to bed. Then I go to bed, and I sleep like a baby. And my Fitbit tells me that I do. So it's not me just thinking I do. I have good quality sleep, consistent REM cycles, deep sleep is good, everything is good. Yeah, you're just a good sleeper because you're doing the exact opposite of what the human body and nature has designed for us. <laughs> and you re- you literally reap the best benefit of sleep over, you know, better than most of us, which is awesome. Well, and it's funny because I'll get slammed every now and then where people will say, oh, your circadian rhythms are messed up. These studies say that people who work third shift had a, had a higher degree or higher risk of heart disease and health concerns. Victoria was talking about that with you too. It, I think. It is, and it's, not, it's true. It's not untrue, but here's the catch and why it doesn't pertain to me. I don't bounce back and forth. Yeah, no, that's the hard shift. part. I've been doing this for 20 years. So when we talk I about agree. circadian rhythms, it's funny because I just laugh and say, okay, well then what if, what if I move to London? And I go to bed at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it'll take a while for my Well, the body light to would adjust, be different. It would be. It, it would be. The light coming up for those last 30 minutes. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> at but, the same time, yeah. that consistency. I mean, I've been doing this for over 20 years. I sleep till 2 o'clock in the afternoon, sometimes 3 like today. And <laughs> it's the same. It's the same on my off days because what people do when they work third shift is they don't stay on the same schedule. Yeah. They have to accommodate family and everything else. I don't like my family enough to make those accommodations. <laughs> I didn't. Kids enough. No, there were things that I had to do when the kids were younger, clearly, where there would be days where I'd go to bed at four in the morning. I didn't. I wasn't up that as late as I am now. I'd go to bed at four. I'd have to be up at 730 because there was a traveling baseball team or something like that. So there were those days, but it doesn't happen anymore. I live a boring, very predictable, uneventful 53-year-old life, and I love it. Guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear. Leave us questions for the next show. Comment here on YouTube. Comment on Patreon. We'd be happy to take those questions. And uh, reach out to TeamSkip.com. He'll help you out with coaching, uh, as will BodyBerry.com for Andrew, myself, McNallyDiets at gmail.com, TrueNutrition.com. Use our code THINK to let them know that you support what we're doing. Plus, you'll get a kick-ass supplement. Guys, we'll see you soon. (laughs) 